Yeah. It's great to look back on some of the great, uh, the great story of Edge Church. And we want to take a few minutes to reflect on where we've been, Gina, and where we're headed in the future. We have a very special uh, couple that is with us here today to help us kind of rehash and rediscuss kind of where we've been, yes. Gina. And uh, we have Jeff and Brittany Payne right here on the front row. Let's give them a welcome. All right now, Jeff, come on up. <laughs> and Jeff and his wife, Brittany, served on our staff uh, for at least six years. And we're here from almost the very beginning. And we asked them to come back. They uh, now serve in another sister church of ours in Fort Worth, Texas, but have remained uh, very close to Edge Church, and we're so glad to have them back. And Jeff, thank you for being here. Brittany, it's great to see you as well. We love you guys, and we're so thrilled to get to celebrate this special time with you guys here today. Well, absolutely. It's, it, is so much, it is so much fun to get to be here. Thank you. For, thank you for inviting us and church family. I know some of you we've we've known for a while now. Some of you we're, we'll probably meet here in a little bit for the first time today. But uh, you got to know that the Heller family—they uh, have been spiritual leaders and heroes in our life. And can we just take a minute and just celebrate? Thank them for the, the faith, the courage. Um, we love you guys, and I was telling somebody earlier before service that we pray for Edge Church and you, the two of you and your family every weekend uh, because we love what happens in this in this home so we're excited to be here today and um, for anybody who's maybe brand new um, or relatively new how did Edge Church get started I mean how did this you know the video you guys moved here from Denver how did that all get started yes well we begin to sense God's leadership to start a new church in the western United States and so I literally got out a map and started writing down the names of cities and we started praying, we started discussing, I started making phone calls to different pastors and ministry leaders in those cities. We got on some airplanes, flew around the country to kind of check things out. Long story short, we felt that God was opening the door here in Colorado to begin Edge Church. And we moved here. Uh, we didn't know one person in the whole city when we got here. We um, started uh, the church totally from scratch. Um, and started inviting our neighbors, and that has led us to this point today. So Yeah, I remember we didn't know one person, and um, I heard kind of through the grapevine in our neighborhood that there was a Bunko group, and my daughter, um, my son was about 15, 16 months old. Bryn was just born just a few days after we moved into our house here. I don't recommend that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, we were still getting settled and still adjusting to two babies and not just one. And I heard about this Bunko group. And so I went and we met our very first church member there. You remember Shirley, Shirley Zesky. And Shirley was the friendliest Texan you'll ever meet. Ironically, she was a Texan where we moved from. And um, with her help, we built a great big team of five people yes. for our first home Bible study. Yes, we had. <laughs> we were we two had, of them. We were two, and our favorite Bible verse was where two or more are gathered. And I was so discouraged that first Bible study when we had those five people. But, you know, that group, Gina, continued to grow. Mm -hmm. And it continued to advance, and it grew to about 20 or 30 people. And then we got this wild and crazy idea to go to the local elementary school and to meet once a month for, uh, during the summer. Yeah, and, and I remember during that season, like, we just clung to prayer. 
we prayed so much, and we wanted prayer to be the foundation of, of everything that we did with Edge Church. And I remember your stopwatch. You had a stopwatch keeping track of yes. just hours of prayer. Yeah, my goal was to pray for 100 hours before our first service. And um, so I did, I would pray, like sometimes I'd pray 30 minutes, sometimes I'd pray an hour, sometimes I'd pray a little bit less, a little bit more, but in the, in the months leading up to our first service, um, I finished like I think at midnight that night, that hundred hours of prayer. And I just wanted to have the vision that God wanted us to have in our church. And I knew that the only way that we could do that would be through the place of prayer. And so that was a huge part of our, our beginning and our journey. How did you come up with the name Edge Church? Where did that come from? You know, um, maybe it was just creative juices flowing because I was pregnant at the time. But it just <laughs> hit me one day that um, as I was praying that we wanted to reach people on the edge. And that word edge just um, resonated in my heart, you know, because it meant that we wanted to reach people who were far from God, who were on the edge of their faith, who were on the brink of divorce, um, struggling with addiction, whatever it may be, just on the edge. And so it just kind of seemed to fit who we were about and who we were going to reach. Wow. So what? So let's talk about those earlier, you know, 100 hours of prayer. You mentioned there were monthly uh, services the summer before you launched, starting in an elementary school. I mean... What was that like? Was it just we found a school and we moved in? Or what, what was that process? What was that journey like? Yeah, it was challenging. We, we um, identified five schools in the area. We wanted to be in the Southlands area, and there were five schools there at that time. And so I went to the first four, and the principal said, we do not want a church here. <laughs> uh, welcome to Colorado. And... Uh, <laughs> I was like, okay, Lord, you know, I uh, got one more shot here. I'm going to the last school, the smallest of the schools. You know, I started at the bigger schools. and went to the smaller school. And the principal said, you know, I think churches and, and, and schools ought to work together. We, need, we all kind of need to band together. And, yeah, we'll host you guys. And so the last, the last spot, you know, so to speak, in our area, the principal said, you guys can meet. Um, we had an old red truck that used to pull our 26-foot trailer and uh, I think that it, you're supposed to have like a 350 truck. We had a 250 truck donated to the church. I'll never forget when I went to get it registered um, uh, at the uh, county office, the lady said, you pay a fee based on the value of the truck. Let me look this up. And she looked at it with a startled look in her face. She said, this truck is actually worth nothing. And she was like, congratulations, you know. And that thing was always breaking down. Literally, this is the God honest truth. The truck caught on fire, caught on fire in the parking lot when we were moving into this building. So we were like, okay, God yes. has spoken. Okay? It's very we're last We're not trip. going back to the school. Okay. <laughs> yes, it was done. It was, yeah. Served its purpose. It was, uh, it was some creative, innovative times. Yes. It was. Making church happen. Yes, our office space. Oh, oh my word. What was the criteria for office? Um, at that time, no, you know, not everybody had free Wi-Fi, so it was free Wi-Fi and free refills. So Chick-fil-A worked really well. Yeah. I think that the management staff thought I was a creeper because I was always drinking sweet tea and, you know, sitting by the playground. You know, he was like, he was like, Heller, what do you do? 
Yeah. Like, what are you? The manager, yeah. And we later invited him to our church, and he invited Jesus into his heart, and we, yeah. we baptized him. Yeah. And so we were just already awesome. building connections in the community, you know, then. But we upgraded to our basement when Jeff came onto the team. And yes, Jeff, did. I think your favorite spot was um, in that famous armchair with the what was it, an air hockey table that we bought for all of $10. Jeff's first desk was the air sale. hockey table in my basement, yes. <laughs> yes. It was very we, sophisticated. We did, and we upgraded to the uh, Starbucks in a Target after that. So Yes, we did. We did. We were, we were high class at that point. Yes. <laughs> uh, what was the, so what was the journey like? You know, you, we talked about, we started the home, the first school. Um, obviously now, you know, at church has been here for a little while. What was that? What was the growth, right? Like recap for us, just the journey of being in schools, being creative, being innovative. Well, we started to, to kind of max out the elementary school because it really wasn't that big. And we had right. two services there. And um, I was really nervous about moving to another school because it was so hard to find the school in the first place. And we, so I got some of our leaders together and I said, guys, we really need to pray about our future because we can't grow like we need to in this tiny little bitty gym. You know, it's not even really a gym. And so we prayed for three months, and one day I got an email from the lady that ran the Cherry Creek School District facilities, and she said, Pastor Ryan, are you ready for a bigger facility? And I was like, that's crazy, because I've never told her. She doesn't know anything about our size or our growth or right. what we're trying to do or what we've been praying about, but right. I was like, hallelujah, amen, you know? And I emailed her back, and she said, well, I want you to go meet the principal at Liberty Middle School. And I said, well, I would love to do that, and I appreciate you thinking of us so much. But I said, you know, I went and met that principal a couple years ago, and he was not enthusiastic about us being there. And she said, well, there's a new principal there, and they want to host you. And so we moved to Liberty Middle School, and our church doubled in size. During that time at the middle school, we were so thankful. We had like a real stage and some lights, and like we had some classrooms, because at the elementary school, the kids had to meet in the hallways, and it was kind of crazy. And so anyway, we really felt like we had really killed it by moving to the middle school. That was during the time of the Aurora Theater shooting in 2012, and one of our church members was shot a couple of times, and he gave his testimony about forgiving the shooter. Um, and that Sunday, we had um, over 700 people came to church that weekend. It was, it was an incredible day. A lot of people gave their lives to Christ. We had a great time at the middle school, but at the same time, we realized that that middle school could not contain the vision that God had given to us, and we had to find another place. So what was that journey like? What was the, you know, you talked about that middle school can't contain the vision that God had given us. So yeah. what was that journey like following that vision for a home for Edge Church? Yeah. Well, we gathered some church leaders and we said, guys, we need to find a place. We need to find a permanent place. And uh, um, we started to pray about this. We had a church in Parker that wanted to give us their building actually two different times, and that fell through. And so we considered moving the church to Parker. Um, at, we also got a contract, an agreed-upon purchase price, with uh, the furniture store, Ethan Allen Furniture Store at Southlands. And it uh, looked like we were, we were moving into that facility. We had the designs and everything done to turn that into a church. And the shopping center sold at the last minute, and the new owners did not want a church there. And so we felt kind of, man, like, dang, you know, it's, this is the church was going to give us the building twice, and now the furniture store. And so we didn't know what to do. But we were going into a capital campaign to raise money for the furniture store. 
And we decided that we would just stay in the capital campaign and raise money, even though we didn't know where God was leading us. And that was a critical choice that we made because just a few months later, this facility came available on the market. Yeah, and this wasn't the first time that you had looked at this facility. That's right, that's right, yes. In 2008, craziest story, we literally have moved into our home. We've just got the pictures on the wall. We've been in town two, about two weeks. A pastor friend of mine, a new pastor friend of mine calls me. He goes, Ryan, I found your church building. I was like, well, amen. I was like, well, where is it? He was like, I want you to meet me at it. And he gave me this address. And so we came over here and looked at this building. We had not even started a Bible study. We, 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 we didn't have, we had no, we had two church members, okay? So we're here, and the pastor says, Ryan, I think this is your building. And I was like, and it's $4 million. <laughs> and, and, and he said, can you raise $4 million to buy the building? And I was like, wow, $4 million, you know? And, and, and I said, man, I, you know, I, 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 I don't know what to say. You know, I'm just totally confused. I'm like, my head's spinning. I'm like, this is an amazing place. But, oh, my goodness, you know? Yep. Well, little did I know that a few years later, this would be our spiritual home. And the church that built this building had trouble selling it. They had two churches. One church leased it. Um, that church tried to buy it. They couldn't get their financing together. Another church had a contract on it. They couldn't get their financing together. So bang, it's 2013. We've just had some money raised in our capital campaign. We need a place. The church that owns this is desperate to sell it. And then all of it came together. And what's crazy is this building is more than twice the size of the previous two deals put together. And, uh, you know, God just was preparing us to, to dream bigger and to think bigger. And, you know, ever since 2008, we would, we would even drive by this place, knowing that it was a long shot, but believing that, that God wanted us to be here yes. in this building and just stretch out our hands and just pray. And I used to sneak mm -hmm. over here in the parking lot and just pray, like late at night, yeah. like hope nobody would see me, like who's <laughs> the weird guy praying in the parking lot. Um, God, give us this place. Mm. Give us this place. Because we knew the spiritual impact could be massive if something worked out with this facility. Something I've heard you say, and it, I think it, it's such a, a, a great lesson from th th those moments, was that when you look at things through the eyes of faith, it, it always looks different yeah. than the eyes of unbelief. Mm -hmm. And so whether it was um, you know, plans not working out with other things, but we're gonna continue to follow God in this vision. You had the eyes of faith. And, well, this building's we've tried a couple of times, but through the eyes of faith, you're going to continue to follow that vision. What are some of the other things that you've learned? What are, the, what are some of the other things that God has just clearly impressed upon you as, as leaders over the last decade? God hangs out in the place of big thinking. Too many times we, yeah, we ought to clap for that. Um, too many times we think so small. And we don't think with the eye of faith. Mm. But God loves people and groups of people that will take bold actions mm -hmm. and will do things that are beyond maybe the norm. Yeah, and I think, you know, we put limits where God doesn't see any. 
And um, Ephesians 3.20 has always been our theme verse, really our life verse since the day we got engaged. Um, It says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ever ask or dream of. And uh, so, you know, one of the things that sticks out to me is just the word more. You know, we want to see more life change, more people invite Jesus into their heart, more addictions broken, more marriages rescued, more people knowing Jesus personally. And, um, you know, one, one of the things, that it, it's easy to think that, you know, hearing our, this side of the story that everything just always turned out great. Everything was easy. Um, well, you know, there's, a, there's a just as big a part of our story. There's been equal amounts of joy and miracles, those miraculous, powerful moments that we've celebrated, as there have been moments of betrayal and deep, deep pain and disappointment. And, uh, you know, one of the things um, that's really stuck with me, especially the past three, four years, is that we see the very best of people, and we see the very worst of people, but we always have seen also the very best of our God, and that keeps us going. Amen to that. Amen. Yeah. Um, Well said. When you think about, uh, you know, reflecting on the last 10 years, but when you think forward, when you think about yeah. the next 10 years, what, 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 what does God have for Edge Church next? Well, the task is not finished. We have a lot of empty seats here today, and we need to fill up the seats. We need to reach the people. Um, there's a lot of people that need to know Christ in our community, so the work is not done. Uh, we also need to continue to advance the mission of Edge Church in and through our special I Love My Church offering, and we're asking everybody to... Um, give something extra to help us upgrade some facilities and do some maintenance and some special work right here uh, on our campus to keep everything moving forward and sharp and all that. And so, you know, I think us having a great offering and us continuing to bring the people and grow the church to move the vision forward is where God wants us to go in the days ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Gina, would you add anything else to that? or? No, I'm just looking forward to the future because the best is yet to come. You know, we, we want to provide a church home for many, many people in the years to come. And uh, you're a part of that. And so we, we thank you and we celebrate today. It's been amazing. Yeah, absolutely. That's right. You know, the people um, before you made provision for you to be here. Mm. And now God wants you to make provision for the people that are going to come to be here. It's all about the seats. It's all about the people. Mm-hmm. That's right. Well, church family, let's one more time. Let's celebrate. What a, what a great moment and story of faith and following God's vision. Thank you guys for sharing your story with us. Yes, absolutely. Well, I think there's one word that sums up everything that we've been talking about today. And uh, it's one word in the Bible that was never translated into English. Um, it's a word that is a Hebrew word, and it's the word hallelujah. Everybody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah Hallelujah is actually two Hebrew words put together. Halle, which means to praise, and Yah, which means God, to praise God. But what's interesting is in the Bible, 
the translators of Scripture did not translate that word. And I think the reason that they did not is because there was not an English word that carried with it the equivalence, the same standing, the same merit as the word hallelujah. And as we look at Psalm 150 this morning, Psalm 150 verse 1 through 6, this great anthem, this great psalm is the last chapter of the book of Psalms, 150 chapters. And this chapter begins and it ends with one word, and it's the word Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Look at it with me. Hallelujah. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his powerful acts. Praise him for his abundant greatness. Praise him with the trumpet blast. Praise him with the harp and lyre. Praise him with the tambourine and dance. Praise him with the flute and strings. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Praise him with clashing cymbals. Let everything that breathes praise the Lord. Say it with me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It begins and it ends with the word hallelujah. When I think of the history of Edge Church, when I think about the future of Edge Church, there's one word that comes to mind. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And in this great psalm, the writer gives us so much to think about in terms of praise. I hope you'll take some notes today and write this down because the reason that we began Edge Church is because worship did not exist. Between 90 and 95% of our community has not gone to church at least one time in the last six months. The reason that we need to start churches, the reason we need to start Edge Church, the reason that Edge Church should grow and expand is because the worship of God does not exist. Many people are not saying Hallelujah. And the reason that God has given us this facility and this great mandate is so that more people can say, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Uh, Isaiah the prophet said it this way in Isaiah 42, 8, I am the Lord, that is my name, and I will not give my glory to another or praise to idols. Uh, God says, I want to be praised. I want to be praised. It's not because God has an ego. It's because God is really that great. I mean, the moment that you accomplish all the things that God has accomplished, then you can demand some praise. But until then, there is nobody who has done what God has done. And he says, I won't share my glory with anybody else. Well, why should I praise? Well, praise helps me remember that God is bigger than my problems. When we begin to praise God, our eyes begin to move off of the problems and they begin to look at the greatness and the bigness of God. How would, how would your circumstance, how would your life be different if you were constantly looking to heaven to praise God rather than bemoaning your own circumstance. Praise helps us get our eyes on the Lord. Praise draws us closer to God. Can you imagine having a relationship with somebody who never said thank you? Who never said, I appreciate all that you've done. Thank you. Thank you. It's part of praise. And praise begins to bring us close to God. 
I hope your relationship with God is not just centered on, hey, God, I really need some help paying the bills this month. I hope your relationship with him is deeper than that. And praise is a huge part of that. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Look what he says there in verse 1. Praise God. Hallelujah. In his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty heavens. Where do I praise the Lord? Well, he gives us two things in verse 1. He says, in the sanctuary and in the heavens. On earth and in eternity. Both. Praise ties the eternity and heaven together. But he says in the sanctuary, he's talking about the temple there in Jerusalem, the house of God, the place of worship, the place where Jewish people would get together and sing hymns of praise and where they would uh, encourage and pray and worship and celebrate all of the greatness of God. There was something special and sacred about the sanctuary. Now, I hope you praise God wherever you are. Hope you praise God in the morning at your home, praise God in the car, maybe even at the office. But we also have a special sacred obligation to praise God in the house of worship. There's something dynamic, there's something powerful that happens when the people of God are gathered together and begin to celebrate corporately. It encourages each other. That's why the the writer of Hebrews said, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as some are in the habit of doing. we got to get to the house of God. There's something powerful about it. There's a spiritual dynamic when the people of God are gathered together worshiping and praising and studying and encouraging and lifting up the name of God Don't diminish the sanctuary. We need that sacred place, don't we? That's why I'm excited about our I Love My Church offering because that offering is going to help build the sanctuary, make it stronger. And we're all joining together to be a part of that. There's just something beautiful about it. It's it's personal and it's corporate. And uh, our work is not done here in the sanctuary. We've still got seats available we still got people to reach. we still got ministry that needs to take place. we still got kids to teach. we still got teenagers to disciple. The work is not done. In many ways, I feel like we're just getting started. Just getting started. The sanctuary. A few months ago, Gina and I went to see Dave Matthews over at Fiddler's Green. That's a great venue, isn't it? It seats about 18,000 people, and you can sit on the grass, or you can sit in the chairs. It's just a cool place. I was like, this is a cool venue. If I was a musician, I would want to play at Fiddler's Green. Awesome. I've been to Red Rocks. I like Red Rocks even better. That's a great place, isn't it? I would really want to play guitar over at Red Rocks if I was a musician. I mean, that would be fantastic. Wow. A great venue. I've been to some other great venues, but i got to tell you, The greatest venue of song, the greatest venue of worship is going to be heaven. Look what he says there. He says there in verse 1, praise him in the mighty heavens. I mean, can you imagine this? We're going to worship God for all eternity in heaven. And the book of Revelation tells us that there will be singing There will be instrumentation, there will be dancing, there will be celebration. And listen, when we worship God here on earth, it is a precursor to the things to come. It's going to be beautiful. Well, 
Where do we worship? The sanctuary and the heavens. But why do we praise the Lord? We praise the Lord, verse 2 tells us, because of his powerful acts and his abundant greatness. Who God is and what God has done. Who God is and what he's done. What are his powerful acts? Isn't it great that God does not live in a box? God's powerful acts. God is not, God is not impotent. God is, God is powerful. God, God is amazing. We praise God for his, his powerful acts. When it looks like there is no solution, don't, don't forget there is always God. And God has been providing for us from the very, very beginning. I just think about his provision for our church. When we didn't have any people to launch the church, God sent us some people. When we didn't have a place to worship, God sent us a dirty, smelly elementary school. <laughs> and then when we needed a, a regular house, a sanctuary of worship, God gave us this building. This building. Wow. Wow. We actually own one of the largest church buildings in our city. I don't know if you know that. Many of you haven't been in all of the nooks and crannies of the church, but this building is over 40,000 square feet. It's a big house. It's a big house. Many times a church will be the, like a second or third building might be a building this size. This is our first building. Guys, God has given us great opportunity. Great opportunity. And we want to step to the plate and tell God, thank you, and to finish the work that God has put before us. We praise God for his mighty acts. Our, uh, our team told me this week that we have record of almost 1,200 people that have given their lives to Jesus Christ at our church. We should praise him for his acts. Let's praise him for what he's done. I don't know how to count the addictions that have been broken or the marriages that have been put back together or just the hearts and lives that have been infused by the word and the power of God. But we praise God for what he's done. We praise God for who he is. Who is he? Well, God is faithful. God is constantly provided for and directed edge church. God is full of grace and love. God is good. The goodness of God. A pastor told me of one of the larger churches in town when we first moved here. He said, Ron, I think you have a great vision and I wish you all the best. And I'm pulling for you. But I got to also be honest with you. He said, I've been here a decade and I've seen 50 startup churches start and end since I've been here. He said, good luck, <laughs> you know. I was like, wow, wow. But the goodness of God has been with us. God's been providing for us. God's been directing us. God, God's been leading us. And we celebrate that. Why do we praise God for who he is and what he's done? Look at this third thing. How do I praise God? How do I praise the Lord? Well, I praise him with the trumpet blast, with the harp and the lyre. I praise him with the tambourine, the dance. Praise him with the flute and the strings. Praise him with the resounding cymbals. Praise him with the clashing cymbals. You know, uh, 50 times in the Bible we're commanded to sing to God. And singing is a huge part of worship. The reason we do so much music, and it's part of praise. It's 
part of us responding to God for who, for who He is and what He's done. And you notice there's a couple of other expressions. There's singing. There's, there's instrumentation. That's why we love great music here at Edge Church. It honors God. It does. When we, we bring a spirit of excellence on the stage, and man, it points people to Christ. It points people to the Lord. We feel something, you know? I hope when you come to Edge Church and our band plays, you feel something in your spirit. You feel something in your heart. He also says with the dance, can I get a witness today? Come on, with the dance. And maybe the Lord's done some things in your life that made you want to break out in a little jig. I mean, when I think about some things that God's done for me, oh, it makes me want to dance. Not too long ago, Zane and I were playing Fortnite. He was teaching me a little bit about Fortnite. I'm not very good, but he said, Dad, whenever you do something good, you got to do a dance move. And I was like, what do you mean a dance move? And he showed me all the little dance moves that you can do. When you like make a kill or a big play or something like that, you pause for a moment and you dance. That's awesome. I would show you, but I'm afraid I might hurt something today. So don't want to do that. Dance is a response of joy and enthusiasm. When people are depressed, they don't go dancing. When you think about what God has done in your life, does it make you want to dance? Does it make you want to move? Make you want to shake a little bit? The house of God. So how do we praise him, man? We do so with the song, with the dance, with the, with the music, the trumpets, the harp, the lyre. He's got all these different instruments that are listed out here. The rhythm section, the, the strings, all that. Praise is powerful. One of my favorite examples of this is, is King Jehoshaphat. Everybody say Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat is the king of Judah, and he's being ganged up on by his three arch rivals. Three nations come together. We're going to wipe out Judah. They bring the word to Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat, it doesn't look good, king. We're about to die. We're too outnumbered. Joseph, that's like we need to pray. God speaks to the people, send out a choir. Send out a choir. I mean, for crying out loud. I, I don't know about you. I, I haven't ever fought a battle with a choir before. If I was going to a fight, the last people in the world I would want on my side would be the guys from my high school choir. But it's true. They sent the worship team in front of the army and they all had their man buns and their sleeve tattoos and their skinny jeans. It was a great victory. It was a great victory. The enemy was confused. There's something powerful about praise. I'm, I'm not sure we really understand all of it. In Acts 16, Paul and Silas are in jail and they begin to sing hymns to God. And what happened? An earthquake and they were delivered. It was with the words of praise that the walls of Jericho collapsed. And right after the Red Sea closed in on the armies of Pharaoh, the Israelites had a parte, and there was dancing. 
We need to celebrate the great things that God has done. How do we do it? Singing, praising, playing, dancing. Man, if you don't have something to dance about, maybe you haven't met the same Jesus that I met because we need to praise God with the song. Who should praise the Lord? Look at this final thought here in verse six. Let everything that breathes praise the Lord. Do you have breath in your lungs? Somebody? Anybody breathing? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise is for everybody. It's not circumstantial. Notice he doesn't say, if things are going great in your life, praise the Lord. No, he, he says, listen, if you have breath in your lungs, give praise to God. Listen, you can use your breath to curse men. You can use your breath to slander and to gossip people. Or you can use it to praise God. Praise God. We ought to praise God when things are falling apart. But we also ought to praise God when everything is going great. I've found in my own life it's harder to praise God sometimes in the good times than it is the bad. But we ought to let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Everything that has breath. When we're struggling, when we're rejoicing, when we're young, when we're old, it doesn't matter. Praise the Lord. So where, where do we praise the Lord? Man, in the sanctuary and in the heavens. Why do we praise the Lord for who he is and what he's done? How do we praise the Lord? With the song, with the dance, with the instrumentation. Who, who should praise the Lord? Everybody that has breath. Hallelujah. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his powerful acts. Praise him for his abundant greatness. Praise him with the trumpet blast. Praise him with the harp and lyre. Praise him with the tambourine and the dance. Praise him with the flute and strings. Praise him with the resounding cymbals. Praise him with the clashing cymbals. Let everything that breathes praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 And as long as we're here, we're going to keep praising the Lord. Because that's what we're all about. Would you pray with me for a moment?